you know, like, are there other nurses in the ER that have been attacked physically by? Oh yeah. Yeah. Is it, oh wow. You said that like it happens all the time. I have been in the CR for a year and a half, and I know five people who've gotten attacked. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Sanagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. For anyone out there that would like to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Our email is oplpodcast at gmail.com. Just send us your story and we'll get back to you. Yeah. So today we're speaking to an ER nurse and I imagine it's safe to say that it's not an easy job and we're excited to hear about her experiences and learn more about how the ER operates. And as always, we've got the guests on the line. So thanks so much for being on today. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So in the email, you said that you're an ER nurse at a level one trauma center. So can you tell us what a level one trauma center is and just explain your role and day to day? Yeah, for sure. So um, a level one trauma center is there are certain hospitals throughout the United States that um, specialize in trauma. So like essentially there's like different levels to trauma. There's like level two and level one. And level one traumas tend to be the sickest types of traumas, right? So they're gunshot wounds, um, really bad, like car accidents. Um, and to be a level one trauma, you have to be really sick. It means that you are not like you are having trouble breathing and your life is like very much in danger. And you have to have like special research that is done at your hospital and special types of resources that are there to be certified as a level one trauma center. Um, so basically my day to day is just, uh, taking a load of patients sometimes, um, including trauma patients and just caring for them until they can get upstairs. Um, I deal with like a variety of illnesses. I think that like a good thing to say about ER nurses is we're a jack of all trades, but master at none. So you kind of have to know like a lot about everything. Um, and yeah, I, just take care of lots of patients pretty much. And you said before they go upstairs, does that mean like in one of the rooms with the doctor? Yeah. So obviously when you come into the hospital, right? So like you come into the emergency room, like the process is you come in and then like we triage you, one of the ER nurses, and we kind of like, we take your vital signs. We like make a little note about like why you're here in the emergency room and like what brought you in. And then our physician will come and see you and he decides like based on your lab work, imaging and whatnot, if you are going to, you need to be admitted to the hospital because you are sick or if this is something that could be maybe managed like outpatient and you just need like antibiotics or something and then you're discharged. So those are like the one of two way. And, and then there's always like psych patients who sometimes will need to be transferred to like a psychiatric facility. But those are like the three main options. So I'm always curious because when I think of the emergency room and I think when a lot of people think of the emergency room, they think of the waiting room specifically. And there's so many different people there with different things that need to be treated. Obviously, everyone thinks they should probably be treated first and they have the biggest emergency. But how do you actually pick who gets treated first? Is it like a, when you go to a deli and like pick a number and you just get called or do people get to skip the line? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely people get to skip the line. Like, um, so it's just, we, that's what triage is for. So like essentially what happens when like 
um, somebody comes in as we come back when we're triaging you and we will take your vitals and we sometimes will take your labs and we'll take like x-rays and stuff. And basically like, if you are really sick, it will show, it will show in your vital signs and your blood pressure and your heart rate, it will show in your lab work. Um, so, and the people who are the sickest come back first, right? So like, I'm not going to tell somebody who has just got shot in the chest that they have to wait because somebody who once checked for STDs got there before them. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, is, is that sort of like typical on a, a every day where you kind of have a mix of these more intense injuries or something like that? And, like you're just kind of dealing. Cause I, I imagine it's a lot of like people managing as well. Like a lot of people are upset. They, like Greg was saying, they, des- they think they deserve to be seen before anyone. Um, but is every day kind of like chaos where people are always coming in with, you know, these very urgent things or are there slower days? There's definitely slower days. Like there are days where like, you don't really have any like super critical patients, but then there are days where, you know, So I've had days where we've had five traumas going on at once and we don't even have enough room for all of them. So it really just depends on the day. Mm -hmm. Can you describe those days or or what you are thinking and doing, I guess, in those moments? Because I think that's sort of the image a lot of us have, uh, you know, whether it be from movies or TV shows. But I assume there's a lot of truth to it where, like you said, five traumas going on at once. Um people whose lives need to be saved essentially all at the same time. And it just sounds extremely chaotic. Can you just talk about those moments? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it definitely is really chaotic and it's something that like sometimes we have to make room and sometimes we have to make like difficult decisions by like moving patients in and out of rooms and doing what we can to like really care for those people who need us. But thankfully I work with like a really strong team and some really amazing emergency room physicians who um, work with us really well on that. But it's just always like being in the emergency room, you always are thinking about like, okay, which of my patients needs my attention the most? And like, it's, it's usually pretty obvious if you have a critical patient who's like intubated, right? or who is going up to the ICU whenever they have room. So it's always just like managing your tasks and like relying on your team, because I think most ERs are very team-based and they will, and you, if you have somebody who's sick, at least in my emergency room, you will have tons of nurses around you supporting you. You will have the respiratory therapist, you have the doctors, you'll have the pharmacist, you'll have a ton of people there, which is so helpful. And I mean, as you know, chaotic as it kind of sounds on a day to day. Um, I'm wondering if there's a specific day that sort of sticks out in your mind as like, this was the hardest day on the job. Um, I had a really rough day, like a couple of weeks ago where I just was not getting, I just had a lot of really sick patients. Um, I remember coming into the shift and, it was really rough, like starting out with like the night shift. I'm on day shift and the night shift chargers was just telling us like, we have a lot of ICU patients down here. The ICU doesn't have any beds. So I'm sorry. Um, so I, I was getting report from the night shift nurse and I had this gentleman who was really sick and, um, 
I think he came in with a DVT, so he had a clot in his leg. So we had him on a medication called heparin, which is a blood thinner. Um, but then he started bleeding a lot. He was like bleeding through his nose. So we had to stop that. And he also was in something that's called AFib with RVR. AFib is like a dysrhythmia. Um, RVR is like when your heart beats really, really fast. So his heart was going like 160, 170 beats per minute, just laying in bed, right? So we had him on this medication to lower his um, heart rate, but it started getting too low, started getting to the 30s and to the 20s. Like that's dangerously low, right? So they ended up having to intubate him because he was just vomiting blood. His heart rate was too low and um, he was just really, really sick. I remember looking in there and sometimes like, especially like once you're intubated too, sometimes your blood pressure can drop. And um, something that you can do that physicians can put in is they could put an arterial line. It's kind of like an IV, but it goes into your artery. And it's like the coolest thing ever. It um, can show you somebody's blood pressure in real time. So like if their blood pressure is dropping too low, you want one of those. So you can see like exactly what their blood pressure is. Because sometimes like blood pressure cuffs can be janky and not give you correct readings. So, um, and we didn't have that for him. So I'm just like constantly running into his room to like check his blood pressure and to like make sure that these medications that he's on are like not hurting him and that he's comfortable. Cause like once you get intubated too, you have to be on, um, like propofol to sedate you to like keep you comfortable. So obviously, right. So you're not like sitting up in bed trying to yank out your breathing tube and then mm-hmm. we'll usually do like a medication for um, like fentanyl, which is like a fentanyl drip for his for your pain. And then so I had him and then I had another lady who was really sick as well. She was on a BiPAP and she was on a presser, which is like a medication that lo- like has to higher your it, it raises your blood pressure because your blood pressure is too low and your body's not perfusing properly. But I remember I wasn't even able to be in her room for like the first three hours of my shift because I was just in there hanging meds for him. And so I finally got him upstairs and we had this really nasty level one go on. It was a gunshot wound. This young guy in his thirties had gotten shot several times and he got, so he finally got to the room and he had got the, where he had gotten shot in his spine, he was completely quadriplegic. Like he could not move his body from his head down. So, and he was like mostly awake and, and he was Spanish speaking too. So I was like, he was trying to talk to me and he was intubated and it was just like a hot mess. So all three of these people are under your care at the exact same time. Yeah, there was for a second. Thankfully I got one of them up to the ICU. Um, but it was just like one of those days where our ICU was full. So they end up staying and I, and not even those three, sometimes I'll have an additional one or two more patients who aren't as sick as that. So like, Mm. it's definitely, that's when like the teamwork really comes into play. And like my coworkers will be like, okay, let me go do everything else for their other patients while they're stuck in this one room. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just stressful to even hear that story uh, of everything going on at once, just because it's just like problem solving. It's so much problem solving, but with human lives and people that are like injured or suffering. And uh, I just 
could imagine like the toll that I guess that can take on you or someone in your position. And, you know, I feel like from our understanding, at least we're talking before the episode, like this definitely seems like one of those thankless jobs. Like I know there was, you know, a moment during the pandemic where people would go outside and clap and that was nice, but it feels like in general, it's pretty thankless and you guys are kind of the first line of defense and um, sure people don't always treat you nicely while you are doing all this work to try to save people's lives and get them situated. Would you say that's accurate? Oh, definitely. I mean, I work in a inner city hospital as well. So our crowd can be like very demanding. Like we have psychiatric emergencies all the time and then like those. And so obviously sometimes like people are very angry when they aren't going upstairs as quickly as they would like to, to be admitted. Um, they're angry about their weight. Um, psych emergencies are always really, really tough. I've almost gotten hit several times. Um, I've gotten spit on before. Um, I've gotten yelled at by my patient's family. Like, it's just, uh, which is like, I try to like give people some grace because it's like, okay, like most of the time when people are in the emergency room, it's like probably not a good day. Maybe one of the worst days yeah. of their life. You know? mm-hmm. So you have to like keep that in mind, but it's also like, there also comes to a point where it's like, you cannot berate me and like disrespect me like this just because you're having a bad day. Is that typical? Is that typical where, uh, you know, like are there other nurses in the ER that have been attacked physically by, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. You said that like it happens all the time. I have been in this ER for a year and a half and I know five people who've gotten attacked. Wow. Wow. Was anyone seriously hurt or is it just like, um, so thankfully in my ER, like our, like as far as like nursing staff, only a few people have gotten hurt, but the people who really take the brunt of it is our security officers. Thankfully they are like really good at responding. And if I have a patient that I like know is going to be, an issue and I have to go in their room to do something or give them a medication that I'll have officers with me there on standby. Um, but they, I think the officers for sure get the brunt of it. They get punched and hit all the time by patients. So thankfully they do a good job of protecting us though. How long is your shift typically? 12 hours. I work uh, 7am to 7pm. That's a long day. Yeah. And with everything you kind of just told us, I think the, like the uncertainty of what you could walk into, like, is it going to be complete chaos? Um, will some people not make it? Like, am I going to get spit on and hit? How do you mentally prepare to go into your shift and do those full 12 hours? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that like self-care is just like really really important I like try to get like sometimes if I'm like up to it I'll do like a little workout in the morning and like make sure I eat a nice breakfast like listen to some nice music on my way into work because I uh, very often I'll have like pre-shift anxiety where I'm just like okay like what what's gonna happen today but usually once I'm there and I am like in the groove of things I do okay but it's just really important to like do things to take care of yourself outside of work like I love to read and hang out with my cats and with my boyfriend. So, um, just like doing those little things for yourself, like getting a massage or like going to get a pedicure. 
I think that like this like is going to sound really terrible too, but like it becomes a lot easier to compartmentalize the stuff that you see the longer you've been there. No, of course. I imagine at a certain point you have to be desensitized to it almost as like a defense mechanism. If you felt like emotionally attached to every single patient, I don't know that anyone could actually do the job. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I just remember when I first started, it was like, I would leave work feeling so heavy and I would just be like, Oh my God, that sucked. Like, I don't ever want to go back there, but now I'm a little bit more like not, I wouldn't say like not empathetic. Cause like I, I do feel for these people and their families, but I'm also like, I'm here to like save your life. And then, and I'm here to do what I can for you. And if I can't like, and if that fails, I have other people that also need my attention. Like there will always be somebody else who needs my attention, you know? Right. Yeah. And mm. I like going into this job, like your first day on the job and then kind of, you know, the experience that you have now, what would you say is like something that you didn't really see coming or you, you were the most shocked by? Mm. I think like everything as a whole, just like how rough it is and how like rough our population is. Like we, it's just, sometimes it's like really hard to educate patients because they're all coming from like such different backgrounds. Um, like it's speaking different languages um, and doing different things. So I think that, um, I think that I didn't realize how rough it would actually be now that I've been there for a while um, I didn't realize how much death I would see. I, um, I don't think I realized how, I don't think I realized how bad psychiatric emergencies would be as well. Mm. I think those can be really dangerous and being, we have like a special side of our emergency room that is for psychiatric patients and like people who are like really high or really drunk and, those can be very, like, they can go bad very quickly. Yeah, I'm sure that's really disturbing, too. And do you remember when you first started, maybe, like, the first, de the first death you experienced or the first time, you know, a patient who was, you know, under your, your care or partly under your care didn't make it and, you know, how that felt the first time? I remember um, the first the first case that like really really got to me was this day. It was really really busy, and the medics were bringing in um, this person. This all we got is a uh, she was a woman. She was in cardiac arrest, right? So she's she's her heart is stopped, and they're doing chest compressions. So she came in, and um, we didn't have enough room, so we were working out of our trauma bay, and so um, we're like working her up, and she rolls in and. She is a schoolgirl. She was like 16 years old. And we, I do not work at a children's hospital. I work with adults. Um, and I, she was in her school uniform. And I remember like, just like crying a little bit, like doing chest compressions on this young girl while we're like trying to cut off her school outfit to make sure that we can have all the pads on her. Um, it was so it was like, it even upsets me to this day. It was, it was so terrible. And, um, shortly after that, we transferred her to children's. Um, but it turns out she had like a, I guess she had a heart tremor and her primary care doctor had told her parents to take her to a cardiologist and they never did. And it was just like a freak accident. Um, but I think she's doing okay. So 
Wow. Yes, I, I mean, do you, like, wh- what would you say is the most rewarding part of the job? I mean, outside of the obvious, that I mean, you know, day-to-day you're going in there and you're kind of, like, saving lives, but is there, you know, a different sort of answer to that? Like, it's, you know, from our perspective of we don't really live in the world, so it's like we don't, we can't understand what it's like to live in your world when you're being in the ER. Like, it just sounds like absolute chaos. And what kind of gets you out of the out of bed in the morning to you know, make the decision, like I'm going back in there and I'm doing this again. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are like some patients who could be really sweet. Um, I have gotten like a letter from one of my patients, family, like thanking me for the treatment that I gave them, gave the patient. So that was super nice. But I think that, um, the most rewarding part is just like those special moments of like getting to spend it with their, like spending just like watching humans be humans. Right. Like I know that it's like so heartbreaking to like, like have these like really devastating effects and watch like these devastating things that happen to people. But it's also like kind of rewarding watching people able to like be with their families and like families come together and be with their loved ones who are sick and, help care for them. And I think that part is really nice. And, um, I think I'm, I think I'm the other part is I'm just like an adrenaline junkie a little bit. Like I really like not knowing what's going to happen. And I like that, like having to like be on your feet all the time and like, know at the drop of a hat, like you could have somebody who's really, really sick coming in the doors. Mm-hmm. So it's always on edge, uh, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. That's interesting too, because like it, it obviously takes a special kind of person to do that job for so many reasons. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's one of the reasons too. It's not like you obviously wish there to be trauma patients or people getting sick, but the reality of life is that's going to happen, and there needs to be people there to help them. So that's uh, definitely keeps the day to day interesting. I'm sure. Definitely. Is there? Anything that I guess just like as the public, you know, people listening who aren't in the healthcare system at all or medical field that like we would be shocked about or any misconceptions or anything about, uh, I guess, just the ER, how it operates? Hmm. Um, I think people are like usually really shocked when they have to wait in waiting rooms for a long time, but it's always for good reason. Um, as far as like, store I have like stories that might be like a little bit shocking um like one of my I included this in the email but one of my patients um she I was I was precepting this day which means I was just training and I had um I was training a new nurse and I gave her one patient and it was a patient who she complained was vaginal bleeding so she was just bleeding and I was like oh that's pretty and she was pregnant. So I was like, okay, maybe she's miscarrying, but that's a pretty straightforward case. Um, nothing too crazy. You could take it. Um, so I had her take it and then I was sitting at the nurse's station and I just remember looking and I saw the physician standing outside of this patient's room and the door was open and she was trying to call somebody. And I just heard yelling and I like ran down the hallway and I looked into my patient's room and her boyfriend was on top of her hitting her he was punching her. And I was like, I yelled at him to stop. And he was just screaming at her. And I 
thankfully the part of the ER we were at, I like ran to go get our security officers really quickly. And I was just like, you need to take him out of here. Why was he but, hitting um, Well, I didn't know the whole story, but I guess that the whole reason that she came in was because he hit her in the stomach. And then she, while she was pregnant oh. and, um, and then she started bleeding. So she came in because she thought she might've miscarried. So, and she did, but, um, so he was very obviously abusive and I don't know how he got back there. I don't know how he found her. Um, it was, it was horrible though. I've never seen anything like that, but, um, yeah, just like dealing with heavy stuff, I think, and seeing all the blood and bodily fluids is, would probably shock a lot of people too. Yeah, I would truly never be able to handle like a uh, one hour even training probably. But geez, I I do know that a lot of people definitely work in this field or similar fields um, just because of all the emails that we get. Is there anything that you would say to anyone who maybe wants to be a nurse or maybe in particular wants to work in the ER? Because you did say that uh, there were things that shocked you about it. Uh, but now that you have some experience under your belt, anything that you, you would say to someone maybe just starting out or who wants to get into this? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that I love being a nurse. And I know there's a lot of people who like, say that nursing is really crappy and it really can be sometimes it can be really shitty but um I think that being in the ER I have learned so much and I feel like I remember interviewing and shadowing and like looking at these nurses and being like these nurses are badass like they know how to handle shit and I just admired them and I think that if you want to come to the ER um, I definitely think that if you're worried that it's going to be too heavy for you and if you feel like uh, it'll just be too much, I want to tell you that um, you will you will become better at managing it and managing the things that you see and managing your emotions. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that it is you, you just get so much better at your nursing skills in the ER because you do it all the time. Um, you're constantly assessing patients, you're constantly putting in IVs, you're constantly doing all of this type of patient care. So I think it makes you a stronger nurse and I love emergency medicine. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Badass is a good word and you're a badass. Your team's a badass. I think anyone who do, who does this job is definitely a badass. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if we, Maybe we don't use terms like that enough for people who do roles like this, but it's certainly a special kind of person and uh, not an easy job at all. So we appreciate you kind of going into some of the details, sharing those stories. And, you know, we appreciate you for what you do. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking to us today. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Have a good one and good luck with everything and stay safe. Thanks. You too. Mike. Bye.
Listen up, guys, because I want to tell you about shoes that are absolute game changers. They're called Vessies, and we're huge fans of them over here at OPL, and I will tell you why. It's because Vessies are the perfect shoe for any weather and any season. You know when shoes get wet and gross and soggy, like if it rains or snows? That literally doesn't happen with Vessies. It's like magic, but Vessies are comfortable, lightweight, waterproof, and warm, but also cooling when it's hot. So imagine a sneaker that basically keeps your foot warm when it's cold and cool when it's warm out. It's amazing. Plus, they're comfortable, lightweight, they slip on and off easily, and they look great. You can wear them in any situation, whether it's going outside, if you're working all day, working out, like whatever you need them for, they got your back. Or, well, they got your foot, not your back, but you get what I'm saying. But go check out Vessies for yourself. They're the only shoe you will ever need because of how versatile they are. You can check them out in the link, vessi.com slash OPL for a pair of your own Vessi shoes. Use code OPL for 15% off your entire order. That's Vessi.com slash OPL. Get your own pair of Vessi shoes. Check out all the different styles and use code OPL for 15% off your entire order. All right, another interesting episode. Uh, you know, I actually have, my cousin, I believe, works in an ER as well. And uh, yeah, the, the badass is a great word. Gangster, that's another one. Where it's like, you, you have to go in and just be treating people and you have to do the, the, you have to be nice to them while also like getting negative feedback for the most part uh, from everyone. And it's just a chaotic place and being able to do that and then not take it home too. Like there's just so many elements to this job that I think people don't kind of think about, you know, like I, I, I worked in a pizzeria and I had to deal with people and I was like, I can't, I can't, <laughs> like, I would get in trouble for my manager all the time. He'd be like, fucking relax lady. We'll get you your slice, you know, like, but you have to do that. Like the people managing thing while also working at like the highest level with the highest stakes, people's lives are dependent mm -hmm. on you. And so you have to do that while doing this and then like trying to get through that as a human being when you go home, you know? Like she was the story she was telling about the little girl. Like that's very hard to deal with. A lot of people will go their entire lives never being in a situation like that, never seeing stuff like that, never seeing really a, a person die. You know, you see a dead body at funerals and stuff, but like you never just see them. But like these people are dealing with like very traumatic things all the time. And the fact that they're just able to over, overcome it every day is just incredible. Yeah, no, it really is. And I, I don't even, I don't even know where people begin, but like we've, you know, talked to 911 dispatchers. I put this in that category too. I mean, it's just the level of trauma and, and being able to kind of move on and know that you've done everything that you could do is just, it's just insane. And it's like, like you said, at pizza place, like the worst, imagine like a customer service line at like Target or something, like yeah. how Anywhere. ugly that is. And just like multiply that by like infinity. Um, it's nuts. But yeah, it's, it's cool to hear too, just like the team element of it and kind of them having each other's backs. And it honestly just made me feel like I don't like ever want to complain about work again. You know, yeah. we're here like, oh, the video file didn't upload correctly. <laughs> and then this and you know, I know it, it's like, it felt like just problem solving on just like the most intense level, yeah. especially 
because you're just like assessing as it happens, you know, someone might be getting wheeled in with a gunshot wound or something that you don't even know what it is yet. And you have to figure that out and figure out how to treat it. And there's just so many variables at one time. And then so many patients at one, it's, it's insane. The time must fly when you work a shift. Yeah. And you're just like exhausted, dude. And not only that, but then you have to think about the fact that these people have lives Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have easier jobs that you don't even have to think about. Once it's five o'clock, it's like, I'm fucking done. I'm going home. Like whatever, like you still have your life, you know, and people have families, they have children. You, you work this shift and you go home and you have to raise children and be a, a, a mother or a father. Like it's a whole other thing. Like you just don't get a second. That's it's wild, man. It's just, like you said, it's just fucking badass that people are able to do that. And thank God they are because, you know, I mean, they're doing God's work, as they say. I mean, these are the people who would, yeah, if God forbid anything ever happens to any of us, to us, like these are the people like our lives are in their hands. Yeah. They're strangers, but, you know, they obviously take it very seriously. And it's just uh, really cool to hear that perspective. And, you know, definitely thank you to the guest. And like I said, you know, so many emails, so it's kind of hard to choose, but I know a lot of people reach out to us, um, that are, you know, nurses, doctors, you know, work in the medical field in some capacity and, uh, just shout out to all of you guys. We appreciate the work that you do. Yeah. And for anyone out there that would like to be a guest on our show, uh, hit us up. Our email is oplpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your story and we'll hit you back. Yeah, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, at OPL Podcast, and we'll be back next week. See you guys next time.